You're listening to the Pastoral Calling Podcast with Matt Loverin and me, Jim Shamaria. Our goal is to start a conversation about life and leadership in the local church. Welcome back to the Pastoral Calling Podcast. I'm Matt. And I am Jim. We're back together. Just the two of us. We were back together last week. My last episode, but that was just me by myself in a room, and then we zoomed. But here we are, on vivo, as they say. Yeah, I almost forgot how to do the intro again. <laughs> you certainly forgot how to run the computer. It's been a long time. It wasn't just that, because it was a computer upgrade in the process, and so had to get the computer talking to the soundboard and all that good stuff. Yeah. But we're back with our fully funded... <laughs> equipment <laughs> yeah fully funded i think we still owe 60 bucks to the grace gospel fellowship but the check is in the mail right that's what jack burton always says what's great about what was about to happen before we we figured this out is we had my voice completely into the left channel and your voice completely into the right channel for all those out there in tv land podcast land they would have been like if they're going on a walk they would have sound like I was running at them from their left side and you were running at them from their right side. Just a constant. I think the soundboard settings go all the way back to when we had Chris DeBlay on the oh, podcast yeah. like two full years ago. Yeah. And we were sitting like in a triangle. And what we tried to do was kind of make it feel <laughs> like we were on different sides of the room. We were super fancy back that then. Was, that, those were the old days. That's funny. That was about two years ago that we had our last in-person podcast in person. that we've recorded yeah so this is i mean it's uh you know how you have that experience of not having done something in person for two years and then you get back together with people and you're like this kind, is kind of kind of weird awkward. it feels uncomfortable to i always remember be in a big group of people or yeah when i was in college and i would go home for christmas break or whatever and then i would come back and whoever happened to be my girlfriend at the time would like meet me at the airport or whatever. And it's just kind of like a little, just a little bit awkward. I think that goes to show why none of those relationships ever panned out exactly. Uh, but you know, it's just kind of like just a little bit. It, it's been long enough to make it a little bit uncomfortable, but I hope you don't feel that way around me, Matt. No, I really hope we work out. <laughs> <laughs> Only time will tell. Well, we we are so happy to be back podcasting again. Um, this kind of came about, we were actually requested to return to the airwaves, which is like our dream come true. Our massive fan base yeah. spoke and we listened. We listened. Uh, we, uh, we actually had lunch not long ago with Brian Walker, who is the, uh, the current president of the Grace Gospel Fellowship. Um, we all know our friend Matt Amundsen, who's still the vice president we love and, and know Matt. We had lunch with Brian and uh, Brett Elder, who kind of is helping with some of the leadership stuff there. And the part of the focus of the GGF kind of going forward is to what they're calling uh, curate resources, which is a real fancy name that apparently means they want podcasts. So we're happy to to offer our curated content just one resource among many but we feel like this is a pretty premium resource premium though you're getting it for free 
which which is know. a great deal <laughs> when you think about it. It is. And so, uh, yeah, so after talking to Brian and, and Brett, me and Matt, on that very moment, that very day, sitting around the table at Noble Restaurant, 44th Street, between Burlingame and Byron Center. What did you have that day? I always have the breakfast bowl with cauliflower oh, chorizo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I had that really good, um, like, goat cheese salad. Mm. That was that was pretty solid. I mean, the goat that makes it sound like goat cheese was the main ingredient. <laughs> It's like a bowl of goat cheese. <laughs> goat cheese was a portion of the of the salad, but we decided that day to uh, to get back on a horse, you know. And and for both of us, ministry hasn't stopped. It's just been of such a different variety in the past two years, kind of pandemic ministry, that we've had to uh, devote our time and energy and resources in other places. Right. And we both felt like we had some margin to be able to create this content again yeah and start up those conversations around pastoral ministry and maybe even catch up a little bit uh, with all of you related to how we've been doing as pastors in our various capacities yeah that's a good way to put it i feel like um especially for me about the last year has been um, some pretty significant changes in my like regular routine of pastoral work. And the year before that was just so um, disorienting <laughs> when, you know, we don't have to belabor uh, everything that, that took place in 2020. But for those of you who were pastoring during that time, just the kind of radical shifts in how we had to do things and think about ourselves and then add on that the congregational dynamics that, uh, at least in my congregation, were pretty evident. That whole year, I was kind of just like trying to stay on my feet, trying to stay, you know, grounded and swimming, and all of that, all whatever metaphor you wanna you wanna use. And then the last year, twenty twenty one, there are some big changes um, at at celebration, and so this year, I've been kind of getting on top of that. But now I feel like I'm kind of back in the groove. I was just thinking about that the other day. There are times for me, and I'm sure this is for anyone else who's a pastor or ministry leader or really anywhere else in your life where you kind of look around and you realize, uh, as Eugene Peterson puts it, that you're kind of in the badlands. You're in kind of this desert season, whether it's spiritually or personally or all of those things together. And you don't just wake up one morning and you're there. It's kind of this gradual process of getting there. And the same is true getting out of it, right? You you don't really see the other side even when you're climbing out of it. But then suddenly one day you're sitting and reflecting and praying or whatever. And you realize that, okay, like I'm, I'm somewhere else than I was a year ago, two years ago. And I was just thinking about that just the other day. Like I feel like I'm in a place that's different in a good way. It's good perspective to be able to know that you're on the one hand, you're going through that, those lowlands, those difficult times or searching times. Mm -hmm. And then to have the awareness, I think it's a real gift mm -hmm. like that we're given at times to be able to have awareness that we've come through that space and that that season is coming to an end. And then you look back on it and you see the like, 
you see the vista of it as you look mm-hmm. back and then you can also anticipate a future a little bit better mm-hmm. and i think everyone's experiencing that to a certain extent to a lesser and greater extent um, some people might still be going through it through the hard times other people might have come through right easily with less difficulty and trials but uh, i think anytime that you're able to sense what's happened in a previous season and be aware of the transition to a new season that's really a gift yeah in the uh, immortal words of john mayer it's just a wave you just got to hold on right sometimes these seasons come and if you can see it as that right you can see it as this is a wave and if you can ride it out you know you can trust that, that you'll get to the other side and there'll be something good uh, or or not right sometimes it's not and i think that's a good point that you make that maybe for some of our uh, our tv friends out there television neighbors you're still there right you're still riding deep in it and i remember when i was kind of in the mud in the mire how annoying it was to hear how good other people's ministries were going and how they were just thriving and all of these changes that have happened have really just you know brought us together and unified us and i wanted to punch him in the face <laughs> proverbially and literally have you ever punched anyone in the face i have not me neither nor have i been punched in the face me neither that's probably pretty surprising for both of us <laughs> the fact that we know both of each other so well and we probably you... deserved it yeah that's at that's, various points yeah many various points i if i could go back and meet 10th grade gym i certainly would punch him that would be my first person i've ever punched in the face is yourself (laughs) if i had a time machine somewhere in place i would go somewhere around 2002 right just give him a smack yeah i think we were probably in the same space of life both needing a punch in the face around 2002 (laughs) so what uh (laughs) it's hard to hard to go on from there what's been uh, life like in Loverland? I mean, we've seen each other. We don't want to put on this pretense like we're just seeing each other for the first time after two years. We've we've hung out, but we haven't had this sort of conversation that we know other people are going to be listening well, to. Well, for sure. And I think one of the dynamics of that is when you, when you haven't seen somebody in a long time or you haven't done a podcast face-to-face in a long time, the most natural thing in the world is you come together and you talk about COVID Mm. because that's, that's been the main social issue of the time. How has it affected you? What are the changes? Good things, bad things. Everyone has a different experience. And so it's important to take stock and evaluate what has the season been like for you. And so, but we don't talk about COVID. Wow. Well done. (laughs) No one is expecting that. <laughs> All right, carry on. That may make the final <laughs> version. I don't know. We'll see. Um, but you know, for for the Loverins, it wasn't it wasn't really COVID that um, for our family life it didn't affect us that much. You mm-hmm. know, we were home like everyone else. But for us, we felt like that was a really good thing. Mm-hmm. Like the time spent as a family. Um, my mom was living with us at the time she was dying of cancer so the first six months of covid were the last six months of her life Mm. so for us as a family to process her uh 
dying and all of the aftermath of that was way more significant in our family life than the actual effects of COVID, other than having to stay home and do all of the things that everybody did, you know, school from home and virtual learning and um, limited trips out and that mm-hmm. type of thing. It was, it was the experience of our family was very, it tightened us up mm-hmm. really in a healthy way. But on the church side, it was different. And we had a lot of trials uh, in our church life from shutting down and opening up to uh, difficulties with our worship program and that type of thing. You were serving as Grace Bible Fellowship is to be the president of our council, which includes elders and deacons. And so caring for the spiritual life of the church and then supporting our pastors as they're doing their work, coming alongside them, and then actually leading the church. So when when we have to announce that we're closing our services mm-hmm. or that when we're making staff changes or when these various you know mask mandates right. and that type of thing for church... I was having to lead and negotiate all of those issues mm. very publicly with the community. So I like to I like to shield our pastors from having to be the primary person who ever has to deliver bad news. So if there's a staff change or if there's a shutdown um, or virtual services or whatever that might be, I like to be the one to deliver the bad news because then the pastor still gets to be the good guy. Right. But that's a heavy burden for you. Yeah, it got pretty heavy. Yeah. Yeah. And and there were some personal relationships involved in that that were very, um, like, very painful to mm-hmm. go through that process. And every day was a struggle. And when you talked about the Badlands, like, that was a the worst grind of the ministry for me was seeing what the COVID dynamics were doing to people, to mm-hmm. individual people. Mm-hmm. And... Um, the sorrow, um, the discouragement, um, the alienation, isolation, um, mental health effects, like that was really, really hard for me. What's so interesting, kind of having a little bit of perspective now that we do, um, is being able to see that there's really nothing that we could have done to Maybe we could have made individual choices a little bit different, but every church handled that different differently. And I'm sure that every church, even if they say they didn't, had some element of that. So no matter how, right, whether you eschewed all government, you know, regulations or whether you went all in on 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 those sorts of things like you, you couldn't avoid that and it just the upheaval of that season just necessitated like really deep and painful relationships so yeah and and I think in many respects you know most of us with some exceptions we're not dealing with the same type of government compliance and mandates mass question seems to be less intense you know than it was a year and a half ago um but the, but the human relationship side yeah. of everything that happened in that season, like those consequences are still playing out. You know, whether it's people who have left your church and haven't come back or staffing changes that mm-hmm. emerged during that time, leaving gaps that can't mm-hmm. be filled. Um, 
you know, or just hurtful words that were mm. shared by people that, that have still haven't been reconciled. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's maybe words that were said in emotional, you know, high points, but there still needs to be, there, there's still open-endedness and, that, and that's life in a congregation, right? And that's the, the beauty of, of the congregation is you're, you're living with people that you don't choose to live with, right? And the ups and the downs that come with that. Um, so, you know, we can say beauty now, but it's not always so beautiful feeling in the moment. Yeah. And it's, and it's a sad thing when people leave and don't come back. And when you say it's the life of the congregation, it is until they're not part of the congregation yeah. anymore. Yeah. And there's, I think there's a real grief over that. That's important to recognize, to say we've, we've lost somebody or we've lost people and they're not coming back. And it's okay to recognize that that's sad. That's disappointing. We lament over that. You pray for them. Yeah. Uh, you pray for God's best for them. Um, but it's, it's real painful. Yeah. Speaking of pain, <laughs> What about you? <laughs> that's a good one. Uh, so you're, you're a youth pastor now, so that's got to be painful. <laughs> so I I am not a youth pastor per se. So about a, about a year ago, almost exactly, um, Pastor Mitch, who I think was a former guest on the pod, um, a podcaster in his own right as well, uh, very very accomplished in the certain certain world of podcasting certain realms uh, <laughs> pastor mitch was called to go to spokane washington to become the youth pastor of uh, the grace church out there a little bit of kind of interesting connection in that that's the same church that paul mcdonald who was the senior pastor at celebration when i first started at the church was also called to so over the course of the last uh seven or eight years two staff members from celebration have gone on to uh spokane i don't know if that makes us like the white caps to the tigers or the it's not poaching. The mls it's not to... poaching if you poach your own youth pastor yeah, <laughs> i suppose i suppose <laughs> uh we were very happy we're happy for mitch that he was he felt that call um I've had some good conversations with him. He's really thriving in that ministry. And so we're really happy for them in that move that they made. Uh, but that did obviously create a gap at celebration where we have a youth group now, which we didn't have before Mitch came. Mitch did a really good job at building that group from nothing. So we have a youth group now, but we don't have a youth pastor. So we went through a lot of kind of thoughts about what what is what are we going to do here? Because another reality of COVID is probably for a lot of churches, um, their budget took some some impact just because we have less people coming to our church than we did, you know? And so naturally we have a, a little bit less of a budget. And so some of those considerations came in, right? Not that we don't think that, or part of the conversation was always, if we feel like the best move for celebration is to hire a full-time youth pastor, we will do it and we will trust that God will provide because if we feel that's the way he's guiding us we'll, we'll step out in faith but we also kind of came to the table and I was really happy that uh, the board 
was both open to this and encouraging to this of say, what if we thought a little bit more kind of creatively about it rather than just saying, we lost this, so we want to replace it with the same thing. What if we were able to kind of think outside the box about what what our our needs are for for um, pastoral staff and all of that stuff? So, what kind of long story short, what kind of tended to ha- what kind of happened was two of uh, Mitch's former students who were our you know college age kids now came to me and said, "We want to help with youth group. We want to help do games." Actually, what they said is, "We want to run games during the summer." And I said, that sounds great. How about you run games forever, not just during the summer? How about you become the game people at Celebration? Uh, and I kind of talked them into that. And they were able to now, and they are able to now, do the thing that I fear the most about working with students, which is figuring out cool and exciting games to play. I've already grown, you guys can't see me, but I've already grown a pretty sweet soul patch already. And... Uh, I, uh, let's see, what else do youth pastors do? I wear backwards hats now and drink Mountain Dew and all of that sort of stuff. you get a tribal tattoo? (laughs) So funny. We went, we had a youth group retreat and I feel so bad about this thought process that I had, but we were at a youth group retreat and like we were checking in and like all the youth pastors like went to this place to check in. I was like, oh, I guess that's me. I'm going there now. And I'm looking around and like, it's like they, they all were youth pastors. Like if I saw them in a room and I had to like, guess what their profession was, I would guess youth pastor. Like it was, there was one guy who like, I saw him when he was doing small groups and he, he literally took a chair, flipped it around backwards and sat on it to jaw with the kids, you know? And he was like in his like fifties, but he's still like. Anyways, very AC Slater. It's like, all right. Not that there's anything wrong with any of that. So anyways, I feel I feel bad for for judging youth pastors. I love youth pastors. I love my fellow youth pastors. You're not a youth pastor. I'm not a youth pastor. But you're a pastor to the youth. That's it. And actually, I had some conversations with this with uh, our friend Gary Hansen, great friend of the pod. Uh, And Gary is serving in a similar role at his church in Seattle shoreline washington and as he and i were kind of talking about that transition that's what kind of what he said he says i don't ever feel like i could be a youth pastor but i feel like i could pastor students like i could do what i do just focusing on on them and so that's kind of what got me to thinking like i guess i could do that like i can teach in a way that you know my in a way that hopefully connects like i'm always just going to teach the way I teach. I'm never good at like creating funny stories and analogies and, you know, illustrations like youth pastors are, but I can teach students and I can connect with them. I think my time teaching at Grace here kind of helped to learn a little bit how to speak the language of the young. Uh, Because I'm officially, think about it, think about who your youth pastor was when you were a teenager. They're probably, they were probably like 37, 38, 40 years old at the time. Yeah, it's hard to imagine. And you thought of them as like old people. Yeah. And I don't think of myself in that way, but I certainly am to them. Um, but yeah, so so basically, long story short, I, I teach the students every Sunday night. 
I help to put together small group questions and activities for them. I work with a bunch of really great leaders who do all the other fun stuff. But this is now part of my pastoral rhythm is Sunday night. I'm with the students for three hours, two and a half hours. And it's been a really interesting, cool, fun experience. It's on paper, when I was kind of thinking about this, because that makes a really long Sunday, as you might imagine, um, getting to church early, doing all the things you have to do as a pastor of a small church on a Sunday morning, meaning making sure all the chairs are set in the right direction <laughs> and picking up the bulletins from last week. And then all of the ministry stuff, right? Preaching the sermon, Sunday school. I don't, I'm not teaching Sunday school right now, but being present for that. Going home for a little bit and then coming back for youth group on paper I was thinking I'm gonna be just absolutely just exhausted but I have yet to have a Sunday where I come home and feel like super tired I I think there's something about doing ministry that is just so life-giving to me and to be able to do that it's just been really cool and it also seems like uh, I've had this thought a few times like on Sunday afternoon where I'm sitting on the couch, you know, and I look at my clock expecting it to be like 4.30, 5 o'clock, time to start get ready to go. But it's like 1.15 or 2.30. And it's like, I, I feel like the, the, the Exodus moment, right, or wherever that is in numbers where God makes this, the sun stand still so they can continue to fight. Like, I feel like God, like, elongates my Sunday afternoons to give me more time to to rest. Yeah, that time kind of expands yeah. in the midst of yeah. doing the work yeah. so that yeah, there's there's an enjoyment and it doesn't change it that it's really hard work. Right. But you're doing what you love to do, what you're gifted and called to do and in that way it's like energizing. Yeah. And um strangely restful yes. at the same time. Yes, that's it. Yeah. I feel tired but not tired. You know, if that if that makes sense. So that's been kind of a fun adventure for me. Yeah, and we were able to, as we kind of process the experience that we have coming out of COVID, one of the cool things that we were able to do a couple of weeks ago when we had the Refresh Conference in Phoenix was to be able to share to a room full of pastors um, and kind of publicly process yeah. these experiences of coming out of COVID together. It was Pastoral Calling Podcast live. It was pretty great. Like very live. It's possible that we might be able to get that audio. We could. And maybe Extract put that out it. there in podcast yeah, land. We'll see what we can do. It was a good conversation. But it really, we really got the sense, because um, there was a lot of, there was a lot of laughter. Yeah. There was a lot of decompression that happened for pastors. And I really, I guess I really believe in the, in the need to talk through these experiences, Mm -hmm. whether that's something you do with a trusted friend, kind of a colleague, partner in ministry, so another pastor, or whether that's with a mentor, you know, some, some pastors might employ a therapist to be Mm -hmm. able to work through this type of thing, or even if it's just yourself in a journal Mm -hmm. to be able to write those thoughts down as prayers to say, you know, this all happened. I'm not sure what to make of it, but to kind of craft that response prayerfully uh, and be 
able to come back to that in the future. I think it's really healthy. And if, if we, if we haven't done that, then we're limiting our ability to be able to continue to serve forward coming Mm -hmm. out of the strange times that we've been in. Yeah. One of the kind of cool things that happened to me is in January of 2020, um, I started journaling for the first time really consistently in my life. I think every Bible college student has had a foray in journaling at some point. But for the first time, I said, I'm just going to do this like every morning, nothing big, like I'm just going to, you know, write a few sentences and just kind of. And so to be able to have developed that practice by March of 2020, uh, I truly think like probably not an understatement, like saved me and my ministry, like that ability to write and process and decompress. And like this was this year was the first time ever where I not this year, 2020 was the first time ever in my life where I literally started to think like, what else could I do besides being a pastor? I'd never, I thought it never crossed my mind in my life that year. It did. I remember being outside in my backyard, uh, starting to think about like, well, what else could I do? Cause that's one of the problems with being a pastor is once you kind of jump into that right out of college, you kind of have limited your, like, I can't build a house. It's not a lot of <laughs> upward mobility. I, I can't. Yeah. The skills aren't always transferable. They don't transfer very, very well for sure. Um, I'm sure there's a, a handful of, of things I could find myself in, but just that, that, ability to, to write and to to process some of that stuff through reading and and reflection like was just huge for me so those of you out there who are doing that you can probably resonate with that if you haven't it's a practice worth considering what did your journaling look like when you were doing that or if you still do it what is it what do you write what do you write about so at the time um, it was it was quite often. So I, what I would do is I, using um, a model from, what's the guy at Ada Bible Church? Um, he wrote a book and I read the book. And um, anyways, he suggested start each day by writing down physically three things that you're grateful for that day. And so it starts with that. And then on the other side, I'll, what I was doing is I would just reflect on like what had just happened the day before um what am i feeling at this particular moment and it often would be kind of guided a little bit by whatever scripture i happen to be reading over the as things have kind of calmed out and it's not so emotional i've kind of gotten to a practice of doing a psalm each day so reading a psalm and um just reflecting you know five or six sentences on that psalm, um, often I'll kind of zero in on one particular line and just kind of reflect on that. And it's interesting, um, you know, this is this is something that Peterson has really taught me to appreciate the psalms and the way that they speak to the experience of life. How often the psalms, uh, like, connect. Like, no matter what the psalm is, the psalmist is saying there's something that for me speaks directly to what is happening in my life at this moment or something that I've experienced in the, the, the near, the near past. 
Um, and so that's been a really helpful thing is just to spend time in the Psalms each morning, a Psalm each morning. We do that for my son, our 13-year-old. We just started homeschooling him mm. for a variety of reasons. And so part of his homeschooling is uh, Bible copy work. And Ooh. so we have him working his way through the Psalms. and But he'll actually write the whole Psalm out. Yeah. And so every time I see like the Psalm 23 or you know Psalm 18, he's not very far into the Psalms yet. Yeah. But anytime I see him writing this out in his own handwriting, I think, ah, oh, that's really good for him. Yeah. I should probably do it too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. My, maybe we should do a, a, a podcast on the Psalms sometimes because my relationship with that book has just grown exponentially over the last year and a half, two years, both in my personal time, but also in my preaching. It, like I, I find the Psalms just infusing so much of, of what I'm preaching and teaching now. Um, because of that, because they're so vast in the way that they just connect everything in life, that no matter what you're teaching, there's a psalm that has spoken to that. So maybe that's a special edition coming at you. Jim and Matt's top 10 psalms. We just count down. <laughs> and number 10. That'd be like a two-hour episode. The PCP Psalter. Yeah. there. <laughs> Say that five times fast. Uh, my wife recently uh, discovered salty the singing songbook she didn't know anything about him and i don't know how she she found out i dressed as salty not not long ago probably around that 2002 time period we found the giant salty costume in uh the basement of the brian bible church in shoreline and me and my cousin trainer uh we put it on and i i performed a, a skit for the neighborhood in a salty costume I have a similar story <laughs> in which I dressed as Sparky Oh, for Awana. We got this big foam Sparky head. Sparky is a giant firefly, in case you guys didn't know. It's the symbol of the Awana Sparks program. And so it was me in an Awana vest and a Sparky outfit. And then I borrowed these black tights. And so I was going around like I had black tights for arms, black tights for legs, and a huge foam firefly hat. I do remember all the women really admired my legs. So they said, you have great legs. What what my first thought of is Isla, my daughter is in Sparks right now, so I'm pretty familiar with the autonomy of Sparky. Uh, anatomy, autonomy, anatomy. Same. <laughs> he, he's very and autonomous. One thing I know about Sparky is his pants are like yellow hot pants, aren't they? They're like spandex shorts that go just like to his lower thigh. I'm pretty sure I had you wear I had a version of the yellow hot pants over my <laughs> tights. It was like but it was like a bodysuit. It was like the body of a firefly, the bottom of which was yellow, but they're like elastic. That's it. Elastic shorts. Yeah. 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 Well, we're gonna leave you guys on that. <laughs> Don't think there's any way we could end this podcast better than the visual picture of Matt Loverin in a tight ridden sparky outfit. If I can find that picture, I'll put it on our Facebook page. Yes, we have a Facebook page still. Do we? I don't know. Did we ever? They don't disappear. We'll see. We'll, we'll see you in the metaverse. <laughs> All right, folks. Thanks for listening. We'll be back. Next one, we'll have an interview. Uh to be determined, but we'll be back with a, with a guest and uh, hopefully some more 
some more conversations about life in ministry in the local church. So thanks for listening. You've been listening to the Pastoral Calling Podcast with Jim Shamaria and me, Matt Loverin. Join us every two weeks as we start a new conversation about life and leadership in the local church. If you like us, make sure you follow us on SoundCloud or on iTunes, and also tell all your friends so they can join the conversation. Thank you.